everybody to another episode of Check the Mark. I am Mark Lucero. Thanks for joining me. Got a great show today. First, got Jeannie Bouchard. She's coming by. We got an interview with her in a little bit. We're going to chat about her shoulder, her progress towards returning to competition, and then we're going to talk a little bit about some of the fun stuff she's been up to over the last week, week and a half in New York and then LA. So big thanks to Jeannie for making the time to stop by. In terms of tennis, we are starting the US Open Series for the men. Women, waiting another week. The women are going to kick off with two events, one in San Jose, one in DC. Like I said, the men, the men are starting in Atlanta, in Hotlanta. It is so weltering here. Today, I just looked at my phone, 93 degrees, air temperature, add in the humidity, it feels like 9900. That's according to Dark Sky. Dark Sky, little trick of the trade that gives you a bunch of things like relative humidity, gives you wind, gives you all these other things that a lot of players will use actually to factor in their string tension when they're taking rackets to the stringer. That, that's just an aside. In terms of conditions here, like I said, there's a lot of heat. These courts in Atlantic Station are extremely bouncy. These courts sit in the middle of this Atlantic Station retail slash mixed use buildings, retail on the bottom floor, apartments and condos up above. Like I said, situated in a square. And there's tennis courts in the middle, which is crazy. Anyway, these courts are super, super bouncy especially coming off the grass. It's very noticeable for players who played their last matches either at Wimbledon or at Newport. You come here to these practice courts and match courts as well. The balls, even just regular shots are bouncing up above your shoulders. Kick servers are going over your head. Combine the bouncy courts with the heat and you have a server's paradise. And no wonder that John Isner has such a good record here at these courts over the years. He loves playing in the heat here, loves serving bombs in this kind of weather. Even the flat serve is going to bounce over someone's head. A kick serve, these guys, and Isner and Opelka, these guys can hit kick serves into the stands when they're playing in the, that midday heat, midday, late afternoon heat. The ball we're using this week is a Dunlop ATP ball. It's actually a ball that if you play with at sea level in normal temperature, normal mid-60s, low 70s, going to fluff up a lot on you. An amateur player in normal conditions at your tennis club, it's going to fluff up. You're going to think the ball's heavy and slow. In these conditions, though, man, the ball is like a, it's like one of those super balls you might get at a toy store. It's bouncing like crazy, particularly when you switch for new balls. Because there's such a big difference with the, you know, with the balls when after a ball change, if you're seeing a match between big servers, you're probably seeing a lot of aces. You're probably seeing a lot of guys kind of dog it when they get down 30 love in a return game. Maybe take a swipe at a return. If they make it, great. If they miss, 40 love, and you'll see the player head to the bench. <laughs> a lot of times, even before that 40 love serve has hit the back fence. Just again, because of the fact that it's so difficult to return when it's this hot and the heat, you don't wanna really make a huge physical investment in this sort of heat when it could impact your next serve game and impacting that serve game in this kind of heat that's almost losing a set right there. Before we get to Jeannie, I want to talk a little bit about a couple things. One, I want to apologize for any audio issues. If you're hearing any sort of ambient buzzing in the background, it's either my refrigerator in this residence in Atlanta Midtown Peachtree or the AC. Both are super loud. Both actually have kept me up at night a little bit. But if you're hearing that, that's what it is. I want to apologize. Second, I want to talk a little bit about some players that are on their way up on the tour. In Southern California over the last month, the section has done a pretty good job adding some tournaments to the calendar. When I was playing 
when some of the pros you watch now were coming up, Southern California probably had six futures, if I'm guessing, and then maybe four or five challengers, which is a large number for a section as small as Southern California. There were usually a couple in the spring, and then in the fall, slash late summer, fall, you had a good swing. Laguna Niguel, Costa Mesa, Malibu, Claremont, those were all futures. That's four right there. There might have been one more, and then there were a couple challengers. There's a Calabasas challenger. There were, there were a few more. Anyway, there were a bunch of tournaments. After the pandemic, during the pandemic, actually, these events got chopped. Either the member clubs that held them didn't have the funds to do it, Combine that with the USTA losing a bunch of money in 2020, having to do with the 2020 US Open and other things. There just wasn't money to spread around to host these tournaments. Over the, the last maybe year, eight to 10 months, the section went around raising money to sort of re-add these events to the calendar because they're valuable opportunities for junior players, for collegiate players, and for young pros to play in their home area. As we know, Southern California is maybe the strongest section, one of the strongest sections, certainly. I say the strongest section because it's my section. Historically, it's where the players come from. Anyway, there were, I think, two events in San Diego, maybe three events in San Diego, USD, Barn Center. I thought Morgan Run was going to have one. Maybe they did not. And then there were a couple events in L.A. There was one at the Kramer Club run by Peter Smith. There was, I think, one at Lakewood, and there might have been one more. I think Claremont, perhaps. Anyway... A kid from Georgia, a kid who's attending Georgia, Ethan Quinn, he won the first one in San Diego, and then he just won another future today, a 25K actually, in Illinois. He beat Stefan Dostanek in the final. Stefan Dostanek trains in Southern California. He actually was a part of the USTA program at Carson. I remember inviting him when he was maybe nine years old to be a part of that program. He's had a great career at USC. I think he has one more year at USC. He's had a good record in the Southern California tournaments as well. Again, going back to that point of getting kids opportunities to play. Ethan Quinn, like I said, he will be a freshman at Georgia in the fall. He is out of Fresno. He works with Brad Stein. No surprise, Ethan Quinn, good coach, very good player, and really having a good summer, and he's doing a good job building that ranking up. Certainly, he's someone to keep an eye on. In Hamburg, at the tour event there, Angela Kulikov won the doubles. Angela... This was her first tour event. Angela is out of the LA area. She came out of the Carson program as well. Again, she's someone who I've known for <laughs> for a very long time. I remember first watching her at maybe eight or nine, practicing there with Coach David Roditi prior to my time working there. And like I said, spent a lot of time with her as a kid. She was always a blast to be around. She went through a lot of injuries as she got older, ended up having a great career at USC. Again, someone whose career kind of stalled with the pandemic was starting to get some Momentum, pandemic happened, fewer opportunities. Just recently, she's done a really good job this year with, she's playing doubles with Sophie Chang. They won a few 60Ks, maybe two of them, got into Hamburg, their first tour event together, and they freaking won it, which is so awesome. And I'm so excited for her. Angela's doubles ranking now is up to close to 100. I think this puts her inside the top 100. I hope she gets a chance to play the US Open. I hope I see her there. One other thing about Angela, from the first time I saw her, she could throw the heck out of a spiral. <laughs> and over the years, she actually started doing this more seriously. So Google the QB chick, Angela Kulikov, and you're going to see some videos, some articles, some other things. And she is impressive and doing three-step drops, throwing outs on a football field. 
It is very, very impressive and special. I want to get to Gina Bouchard now, but one thing to remember is she's coming off a of shoulder surgery, a rotator cuff issue, and this injury is extremely difficult to come back from. My best friend, he pitched, he dealt with this a couple times, and I was with him for a lot of it, seeing how hard it is to come back, how hard it is to even get to the point where you have that strength and where you can actually do that motion again, but then translating it actually into competition, it's just extremely, extremely challenging. So I think it's very important for any Bouchard fans that you have some patience and a little bit of empathy for this kind of injury and for the road it takes to get back. All that being said, let's get to Gina Bouchard after the break. So Jeannie, let's just cut to the chase. I, you're, you're working your way back. Thank you for having me again, surgery. Mark. I know shoulders take a while. You just give a give us a quick update on, on how you're doing, how things are coming along. Yeah, you know, it's definitely been a long process, um, and that's what they did tell me when I had the surgery. It would take, you know, at least like a year to get back, um, and we're kind of at that mark right now. Um, so it's just a lot of uh, patience that's needed. I'm doing a lot of like rehab and, and seeing different specialists to make sure I'm kind of covering everything. And I just can't wait to be back because honestly, the biggest thing is when I do get on the court to hit, I like realize how much I love it and I'm completely obsessed with playing tennis and that I have to absolutely get back. Uh, it's so good to hear, Jeannie. Honestly, I want to see you out there pain-free doing what you want to do and playing oh matches. Gosh, thank you. I know. I can't wait. I'm counting down the days. Well, you know, you, obviously you have a huge presence on social media and I saw last week or the week before that, whenever it was, you were up at HSS. I'm assuming you were there just to kind of, you know, get a check up and, and see how things are going. And while you were there, yeah. you held the second annual Genie Pizza meetup. <laughs> how how this, how this come apart? Was it planned? Was it spontaneous? <laughs> give, give us the lowdown. It was totally not planned, as is most things in my life are. Um, just like the first one last year, my agent literally thought of the idea a couple hours before we ended up doing it last year. So I put it on my story with like giving people two hours notice. Um, and then I was just in New York for a little while, yes, doing some meetings and um, with the, the doctor and PT where I did my actual surgery at HSS in New York. And I actually wasn't even planning on staying in New York until the, the end of the weekend. And then once I was, I texted my agent and I said, hey, why don't we do another pizza thing? Because you know what actually made it happen? You know how your phone gives you those like one year ago on this day like yes. memories? That's what I got. I saw like all these pictures in my phone from exactly a year ago because we did it like July 12th in 2021. I saw that. I was like, no way. And then I ended up staying in New York a few more days. So I texted my agent. I said, come on, we've got to do the, the second annual version here. So after the first time, which was very successful, what did you want to do different? What did you want to do the same? You had that experience of having done it again. <laughs> what were the differences the second time around? With bigger crowd, same size crowd, working with the pizza joint. What, yeah. were, the, uh, what were the updates? So uh, the updates were we were going to let people know a little bit more in advance because we understand people do have lives and to not just give them a two-hour notice. So we said we would do it Sunday night. And Chris, my agent, was like, hey, let's let them know like Saturday at least, like midday or something. So I started putting stuff on my stories and I tweeted on Saturday to give people like a full day's notice. The second thing we did was uh, call up 
actually Chris's wife, Emma, like knows the people that work there. And so she helped organize it. She contacted them to just make sure we have some pizzas ready because last time we got there and we like had to wait a little bit for the pizzas and I want it to be like more oh, perfectly no. set up. I mean, wait a little bit, like, okay, like a pizza's coming out in five minutes, you know, kind of thing. But now we were like, hey, we want them a stack of pizzas. So we like pre-ordered five, um, which was way too little <laughs> anyway. Um, so those are the little adjustments we made. We figured Sunday was a good night as well because people make social plans on like Friday and Saturday, but like people maybe do less stuff Sunday night. We figured if someone wants to stop by and get a free slice, Sunday was a great day to do it. Yeah, so how many people did you get? And did you get any randoms that like drove for hours to get there? Yes, well, so we definitely got way more than last year. Um, it was so nice to see so many people there. We ended up going through like 13 boxes of pizzas. Um, I'd say, I mean, I don't even know how to put a number on it. You know, some people come and go and the new people arrive throughout the meetup, but like, I like over 50, I don't know, maybe like between 50 and 100 people at some point in time came by. So it was so, so fun. Um, it was a bit probably too much just because we're like on the sidewalk and like it, it's a little tough to like meet people, take pictures, get pizzas, like a lot of people in a small space. Um, but I loved it so much. And I mean, someone told me they drove from Boston. A couple of people like were from out of town a little bit. And, uh, you know, that's what happens when you give them more time. So it was great. Uh, you know, it's just a, it's a cool thing to do for your fans and for the people that support you, because, you know, it's so rare, I guess, in the world these days. People see you on social or people see you, you know, on the match court. But to interact on a human level, it's I think it's just a really special thing. Thank you. Yeah. And I love keeping it so, I don't know, like low key, normal. You know, it's not like some big Organic. fancy meetup with like. Like, I mean, I maybe shouldn't even say this, but like, I didn't even have like security there or anything, which in hindsight, I'm like, maybe like I should just have someone in case. But like, I mean, I had my agent and a couple of friends showed up. Um, you know, I was, I actually forced some friends to show up. I was like, guys, if nobody shows up, like pretend to be my fans. Like I brought like seven of them <laughs> and I was great. like, okay, at least we have seven people. Plus my agent, and his wife were at nine, like worst case. We got like a couple of people here. We're good. Um, but yeah, I just like, I don't know. Like I'm obviously a very, I'm a normal person and I feel like, sometimes celebrities like don't act normal and it's nice for like fans to realize that we're all the same and we can just do hangout sessions like your nor average citizen would so um yeah just like keeping it as normal and human and chill as possible so speaking of being normal you were just in la for the sb's espn's annual athletic awards show yes was there anyone there any team athlete or other celebrity that you got really pumped or geeked out to see? Well, um, it was my first time attending the SBs, first of all. So I was um, very excited. I don't know why I've never gone in the past. I'm always like, no, I have to train. I have to train. I can't take one day to go to the SBs. But, you know, you can, and I could have, but here we are. So I finally went. And uh, because I was invited, first of all, um, to be part of their Title IX um, ceremony, which was really, really cool. We got to go up on stage, all the female athletes, and just – celebrate the 50th anniversary of title nine um so it was cool to not only attend but actually be like a part of the ceremonies we had to go a couple hours early like do all these rehearsals it was a very big powerful emotional moment um i mean i i mean i saw bjk there i was like hey what's going on <laughs> i usually only see her at like tennis tournaments you know um and i mean i didn't really geek out like i don't i wouldn't say i'm kind of like a super fan of anything um i thought steph curry did a good job hosting and then obviously you know 
seeing the athletes accept their awards on stage hanging out in the in the green room backstage was actually the most fun part because then you can actually like mingle and then meet some of the other athletes and chat with them and you know have a drink with them um so that was where me and some of my friends we like wanted to hang out a little bit which was more in the back that's <laughs> <laughs> fair enough fair enough so Jeannie I know you're busy I'm gonna let you go last question New York or LA which one's better who is number one who you know what? The center that, of the universe? that is so funny. You just asked me this because I just spent a little bit of time in New York and I absolutely love the city there. And then I was talking to my friend and I was like, wait, I came to LA and I was like, LA is also a great place. I was like, these are like two of the best like cities. There's just so much to do. There's always people that you know around and like friends that live there or friends just passing through. That's what I love so much about New York. Um, I think I'm more of an East Coast person at heart, being from Montreal and having, you know, spent more time in New York and all on the East Coast. So I think New York for me is number one. But L.A. is the number two because, again, great city, so much to do. Cool. Fair enough. Jeannie, thanks for coming on Check the Mark. I, I wish you truly the best of luck as you continue your comeback. And I look forward to seeing you on the match court sooner rather than later. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'll uh, hopefully see you on tour very soon. Thanks to Jeannie for taking the time to chat with me. I, I can't help but notice and reflect on you know the one moment she talked about from the ESPYs that she really appreciated, which was that Title IX celebration, or rather the commemoration of 50 years of Title IX and the progress that's been made. So cool to have so many unique athletes up there across the wide spectrum of sports, snowboarding, soccer, gymnastics, obviously tennis, Billie Jean King, see people like Megan Rapinoe up there, Ali Reisman, Chloe Kim and and many more and not just the the celebration of the 50 years but the push for more that the work the reminder that the work isn't done that there is still a long way to go and this is something that we hear a lot playing fields not being up to the same standards obviously compensation media contracts all these sorts of things as a father of a daughter that I think about my daughter turns two in September. She'll be going to college. Will her college team get uniforms or equipment or travel the same way? Will they travel by charter if the men's team travels like charter for whatever sport it could be? Will they? There are probably issues I can't even think about, but I want things to be better for her than they are now. And there are athletes now who are working to make a difference in the same way that the athletes back in the day were. Billie Jean King and her original Virginia Slims crew did work. The work's been continued through the years. I think of Venus Williams and the stuff she's done behind the scenes. I think of Nicole Gibbs, who was never afraid to speak up. I think of someone like Coco Goff, who always steps forward when there's a social issue that needs to be spoken about. Someone who voices opinions that the people that don't have that platform aren't able to. So that, to me, from Jeannie... That's what stands out from that conversation, which is really, really special. Going to circle it back to the tennis. A lot of action this week in Atlanta. There's still some action in Europe. All the clay dogs are playing over there. For those of you that like the clay court tennis, I think we need to get rid of those clay tournaments. Maybe you can make 250s, maybe make challengers over there, but there shouldn't be any clay 500s. This is the lead into the U.S. Open. All the action needs to be on hard courts here in North America. That's where I'm going to focus. That's where you should, too. There are going to be a lot of storylines happening this summer, this hardcore summer, the Russians are going to be back in action. 
on both tours. Daniil Medvedev is going to be making a move. He didn't play Wimbledon. On the women's side, obviously a number of Russians and Belarusians, Vika Azarenka and more. Novak Djokovic, unable to play the U.S. Open, unable to get into the United States. Can he get into Canada? I'm not sure. What, what's he going to play this summer? What's he going to play this fall, for that matter? A lot of stuff to pay attention to. All the young Americans, who's making a move? Taylor Fritz, is he going to make a move? John Isner, does he have one more run in his bag? On the women's side, Jesse Pagula, quietly inside the top 10. Can she take the next step? Really a lot of stuff happening in Coco Golf, even more quietly at a career high ranking. So tune in wherever you get your tennis. Subscribe, rate, and review to check the mark. I'm Mark Lucero. That's it for this time. Hit me up on social, at Mark Lucero on Twitter, at Mark Lucero on the Instagram. Tell a friend to check out my show. Catch you later. I am out.